Welcome, everyone, to All About Windows Phone Insight 186, recording this on Wednesday, the 20th of July, 2016. I'm Steve Litchfield. I'm suitably stoked up on a very hot day with a very cold cider, and I've had half of it, which should worry Rafe Lanford. I think you'll be as professional as ever, Steve, and dare I say, I think a little bit of hydration is just what you need when you're about to embark on a 30-minute stroke, 45-minute stroke, 50-minute podcast. (laughs) <laughs> you mentioned the extensions not me um, oh, there are loads of things to talk about um, s- some smallish things but very very nice to see yeah. and a couple of strate- strategic things and also a big discussion piece at the end Rafe yeah absolutely I mean uh, I guess it's that time of year where sometimes it can be a little bit slow news wise or we're kind of getting into that season with August but uh, with all the kind of excitement around the Windows 10 mobile updates there's bits and pieces appearing it seems almost every day and then as you say there's uh, a few of our longer term editorials kind of our longer form content that we'll probably uh, come back and talk about but I think this is going to be a leisurely stroll through uh, a number of different uh, so app stories and then updates and then we'll we'll talk about some bits of hardware as well um so probably enough talking about what we're going to talk about and actually talk about it steve yeah i'm not quite sure where to start but i I guess we should start in terms of being controversial and being apologetic if that's the right word we're talking about skype's changes going forward and i I know i just added to the show notes about 10 seconds ago rafe but uh, basically skype have come out and said look going forwards um, as we transition to rather than from peer to peer to cloud served skype and im and we're going to changing all our architecture and the old um, clients this is and this back in the bad old days this was the symbian clients and the old blackberry clients etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, they obviously got act a couple of years ago we've now got to the point where they've said look the windows phone 8.1 application the skype app um, it's still in the storm. It will be supported until the end of October, and no doubt it will be available until it stops working at some point in 2017. But they basically said they're not going to update that any further. I think this is okay. I think people are going to create a fuss about this, and they have to get over it. We've talked about Windows Phone being a platform that's done people fairly well over the last two or three years, whatever you might think of Microsoft's direction and Nokia's direction before that. But basically, we are we have moved on to a new platform now. We've upgraded all the reasonably compatible devices to Windows 10 Mobile, and I think it's fair enough to see Skype saying, OK, well, let's go ahead with our new UWP application, which is now out, by the way, certainly if you're on the Redstone um, Fast Insiders ring, uh, and we'll go forward from here and bring it, take it forward in parallel with Android and iOS and the desktop and laptops. I think it's all perfectly fine, but well, welcome your take. Mm. Yeah, I think this one's um, a bit tricky simply because it's actually so recently that Windows Phone 8.1 was kind of the the mainstream platform. I mean, obviously, Windows 10 Mobile launched last year, but for a lot of people, they've only got it on their devices relatively recently. And, you know, there are still devices being sold with Windows Phone um, 8.1 out of the box. So it, it feels like this is quite early. That said, I mean, it, it's worth pointing out, as you rightly said, it hasn't stopped working yet. Um, I noticed there hasn't been much information communicated around when that will happen, just that it will happen at some point. Um, and as you say in the story, I, I hope there's a bit of notice around that. So it's not clear whether that sort of means, you know, a couple of months time, which I think is probably the most likely scenario or maybe anything up to six months. Um, but I think, you know, if you're using it now, you can't make the assumption that it will continue to be available. 
And we've talked about some devices not being being able to upgrade it to Windows 10 Mobile. And if you're using Skype extensively, I'm, I imagine that's very irritating that the application is going to stop working as well. You know, there'll some, be some people saying, I expect you to be able to get Windows 10 Mobile and I expect you to be able to keep on using Skype. However, I mean, uh, being more realistic about it, the number of people this impacts, uh, I think, is relatively small. I mean, we've had a couple of these things. You know, there was a situation around um, here, Maps, and indeed the situation with the Windows 10 Mobile upgrade itself. Uh, I, I suspect, as, as you kind of allude to in the story, that it, it's probably not that big a deal, but it's not really helpful for the Windows ecosystem to continue to have these stories, which makes it very easy to write negatively about it. Uh, and, you know, it is a negative, no question about that. Um, that said, you know, we're in this new environment where uh, Windows 10 Mobile is kind of the new thing. It's what people expect to be running on devices. And frankly, for any of the devices that are, you know, basically two years uh, old or newer in terms of their announcement dates, you will have um, you will have Windows 10 Mobile, or at least the possibility of doing so, and therefore can get Skype on it. Um I, I do know there's a strong subset of users out there who are cho- choosing to remain with uh, Windows Phone 8.1 basically because they prefer the style and the conventions there. Uh, and we've commented on this before that actually in some ways Windows 10 Mobile is a more complex uh, platform or operating system and certainly in the way it presents its user experience. I think that's a, a fair comment. You know, Windows uh, Phone always kind of was tied with the brush that it was uh, a smartphone operating or masquerading as a feature phone. But actually that was the reason some people liked it, that very uh, simplicity of the, the live tiles and the sort of less fuss around the whole app situation. Um, but I think you have to recognise that is a, a minority viewpoint. And so I probably do come around to your way of thinking that um, you know, it, it's easy to make a, a storm in a teacup out of this. Um, I, I suspect it's a little bigger than a teacup, though, especially for those people who are directly impacted by this. Uh, for all of those of us who are on Windows uh, 10 Mobile, you know, it's kind of not a big deal. Um, but you know, Skype is one of Microsoft's core products, and so it's not great that it's no longer supported on a platform that, frankly, was only kind of retired from frontline service a few months ago. Yeah, but just thinking about the devices which are affected by this, we're talking about the Lumia 920, 925, 1020, 720. All the devices we'll be probably talking about in our discussion point at the end of this podcast. The the devices with the Snapdragon um, S4 processors, um, 2012 to 2013. So we're looking at four-year-old, three-year-old devices. The very newest of them, I think, is the 1020 at 2013. So... Surely, yeah, so yeah. someone's got a three-year-old smartphone in this day and age. They have to think, okay, well, three years is quite a good life. With some things are going to start to break from here on in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, the only thing I'd point out that uh, the replacement cycle average in the UK for smartphones is creeping up. It's gone up from about 21 months, you know, 18 months ago, and it's now around 24 months. So most people do keep their phones for two years. It's not that much of a stretch to imagine that people are are keeping them for three years. Um, you know, I, I think you know, at that point, they, they probably should think about upgrading because they will get a significantly uh, better experience. But that, you know, all I'm perhaps suggesting is that there is a minority out there. And I say there's also that minority who might be on one of the more recent devices, but have chosen not to upgrade for Windows to Windows 10 Mobile for whatever reason. Uh, I, I don't want to sort of tie ourselves in knots about this kind of thinking about both sides of it. But um, yeah, I mean, on the whole, I agree with you. It's not that big a deal, but nor should it be just sort of dismissed out of hand. And perhaps what bothers me more about it is kind of the attitude 
that Microsoft has to it. The, the fact they're allowing this to happen with one of, as I say, what their core products and what was an important feature of the OS, you know, Skype was built in, in one sense to the, the dialer and all of that kind of thing with Windows Phone 8.1. So, you, you know, you, you can't just dismiss it out of hand. But as I say, that is also perhaps a reflection of, you know, Microsoft's investment level in its mobile platform now. I personally don't think this would have happened if they, you know, would continue to try to make it as a, a consumer platform. Um, but as I've said many times on the podcast, we know that it's not happening and you kind of have to live with that new reality. Yeah, I do wonder. I mean, this Skype universal Windows platform app is currently available for fostering insiders on Redstone. But I do wonder whether that will be uh, quietly rolled out to people who just choose to stay on threshold for whatever reason, rather than upgrade yeah. to this anniversary update. And and that includes, of course, the 920 aforementioned list of devices, with the older processors, which can still upgrade for the next few weeks to Windows 10 Mobile Threshold Build. And indeed, I've got several devices here which are on that. And then in principle, you can still carry on running the Skype UWP for years to come. Um, I wonder whether the, the new UWP does need some hooks into Redstone. And that, that's kind of my gut feeling. But we just don't know at this yeah. stage. So just uh, watch this space. We don't know. And it's worth watching. I think the other thing we should say here is we're quite rightly accused sometimes of being very uh, mobile-centric in our thinking. There is a wider story here for Skype. You mentioned it in the story that it actually enables a bunch of new technologies. And you think about the Skype bots and the translating stuff. Um, but also uh, the fact that it has moved to technologies like WebRTC, that actually means you can use Skype much more easily uh, in the browser on Outlook.com is a kind of good example of that integration. And realistically, that's actually kind of the way that Microsoft needs to go with uh, Skype as a whole. So we have to remember that Skype as a product exists far beyond the constraints of uh, desktop or even just uh, the Windows Mobile version, which is what probably most people are, are familiar with using. Uh, you know, Going forward, that idea that, Skype needs to be unbundled out of its sort of app side is, is absolutely right. And it's, you know, in that sense, that wider strategy is the right one for Skype. It, you know, in this sense, uh, Windows Phone 8.1 users are perhaps a, a casualty of that need to move forward. Okay, well, staying with Skype, because I've got a question for you. You're Mr. Bot around here, or at least you're the only one of us in our tech team <laughs> who's got the slightest experience of bots, whatever the heck they are. Um, now, the Skype preview UWP is available, as I mentioned. It, on the hamburger menu are bots. And I feel like, I mean, I had a browse through the d- default list that comes out of the box, Rafe, with this new UWP. I, well, in, under what normal circumstances would Joe Bloggs, using a Windows 10 mobile smartphone, ever use a Skype bot? Surely Skype is something that sits there in the background. And when people ping you on IM or call you, then it pops up in the foreground. Why, how, why would you live your life in Skype just to be able to use Skype bots? Am I missing something? I, I think perhaps Skype isn't the best place to see bots because people associate it so heavily with kind of voice calling and this, you know, particularly international calling. But if you think of Skype as a over the top messaging service akin to WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, it perhaps makes more sense uh, for bots to live there. And of course, those are apps that people are in and out of all day, every day, communicating with friends and family. I think the other thing is it's so early uh, for bots at the moment that a lot of the experiences that you can have with them, frankly, aren't that great. I mean, the Skype bots at the moment, a lot of them revolve around Microsoft services being able to request a particular image or you know, a bit like the kind of the Giphy services that you have in Facebook Messenger and some of the other over-the-top messaging services. 
you know, once they get a bit more sophisticated, I think it becomes more interesting. And in, in that sense, I almost see Skype as perhaps being seen as a, a temporary holding pen for them, and they will later become available through Cortana, which certainly from a Windows 10 mobile point of view would make a lot of sense being able to call on those bots. And, uh, you know, it very early on, you know, bots were kind of held up as being the new apps. I think that's a bit of a, a misnomer, frankly. Um, they do have that potential, and they certainly can, in one sense, replace bots for certain types of activities, particularly the customer service oriented ones, the highly transactional ones, and even around notifications. Um, and there is a lot to be said for this idea that it's a lot easier to, you know, get at a bot. You know, you just need to go into an existing app and call it up. The UI and the sort of discovery around that I think is, is quite messy at the moment, but certainly it's it's arguably easier than having to go to the app store, find the right app, install it. And also the fact that people don't always want to install an app, they you know, but they'll, they'll still want to talk to uh, brands. So I think an example of this might be, I don't know, something like an airline app. And, you know, some people who are regular flyers will absolutely have that app installed and they'll see it's absolutely vital. If you're flying an airline for the first time or just as a one-off, you might choose to communicate with the boss and bot and say, either I want to check in that way or I want you to notify me if there are any delays or some status. Or if you're waiting for someone flying in, that would be another reason you might use that sort of thing. Um, so it, you know, that's a much longer answer than I <laughs> suspect Steve was a- asking for. Uh, but I think the, the real thing there is actually Skype perhaps isn't the natural habitat of bots because of people's expectation around what it's used for. But if you think about it, it is a conversational interface, just like any other um, messaging app. It's just in Skype, I think messaging is kind of on the sort of back burner compared to a lot of the voice. And it, it operates more of kind of like a telephone application rather than sort of SMS. And it's just a different emphasis. And that probably reflects the you know, legacy and the history of Skype and what people are using it for. Um, but I think, you know, bots at the moment, they're living in those messaging apps of which Skype is undoubtedly one. But looking forward a bit, you know, those bots could live inside an existing app. They will be accessed or they'll be mediated or that access through Cortana and other virtual assistants. Um, and, you know, a bot that exists in Skype could very easily be transposed into Facebook Messenger and presumably if, you know, um, Facebook choose to open it up, WhatsApp in the future, and certainly you can make it available through something like Telegram or Kick, all of which have launched their, their kind of platforms for that. Um, and actually, that's kind of the Microsoft strategy as well. If you look at their uh, bot framework, which is what the Skype bots are largely built on, you you kind of build a bot agnostic of the place where it kind of exists for the end user. And so that Microsoft bot framework, which has actually recently been updated, adding some interesting features, you can make the bot available in Slack, kind of that uh, enterprise messaging service uh, on Skype, on Facebook Messenger and a couple of other services. So I wouldn't read too much into them being in, in, in Skype. It's actually more a case of Skype is a logical place to put them now while we're in that kind of nascent uh, era for bots. Yeah, I get that makes sense. Uh, I think you're right about Cortana, though. I can I can see a case for, for example, I know I'm meeting you from the airport, Rafe, and and I go to Cortana, which is the obvious place, that, you know, to tap a, an icon or control on my Windows 10 mobile device and just ask a question. And I can say, well, I, I'm meeting Rafe from the airport, 
um, heck, Cortana might even suggest this. You know, w- you know, when does this flight get in? At what time do I need to leave? Which, where do I need to go within the airport? All reasonable questions that a bot might be expected to answer. But I would expect Cortana to serve that up rather than have to delve into a third-party app. Yeah, and I think on mobile that's particularly uh, particularly true. And yeah. of course, Cortana will hold a lot of context. I mean, it has access to your contacts and calendar, so it might be able to spot a calendar entry in the future. And when you go into it, it might even prompt you, you know, do you want me to uh, use the British Airways bot to tell you when that particular um, airline has you know, landed the flight from whichever destination you're talking about? Or, you know, there are plenty of examples around kind of doing food ordering as well, bringing that into a, a conversation. There's something that Facebook actually showed off in, in F8. They kind of, it's group food orders, which actually when you're doing it, a group conversation with friends, that kind of is interesting. And there's a lot of dynamics around group ordering and how those conversations be, be made better. But as I say, I think that that discovery component isn't really there yet. And you know, Microsoft presented this idea that Cortana would bring in bots and, you know, you were setting something up for a, a trip to a conference and it brought in Westin bot and then offered you to have a conversation with your friend who lived in that same city and, you know, organizing a car service and that kind of thing. And, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I think you're right to, you know, at, at the moment, the, the Skype bots are very much in the experimental phase. But of course, if you, if you look forward a little bit further, you know, the fact that it exists in Skype, it will also be available elsewhere. So it's kind of which point you choose to go into. And, you know, for some people, they live in Skype all day because, you know, they're working maybe uh, with a development team on building something. And Skype is actually one of the tools that's, that's popular for that simply because it's very easy to do communications on whatever device you're on. And so having bots that exist there, you know, in just the same way that I think the earliest examples of bots really came to people's attention. Uh, I guess it was partly... um sort of uh, telegram but also in slack and um, you know helping with everyday tasks in in work setting up meetings or uh, you know putting in information and we're, we're seeing a lot more of that and I, I just think it's such an early stage that it's difficult to identify and say it's going to be like this you are going to do this uh, and some users are, are certainly going to be i think more aware of that than others uh, and that's simply because of the amount that they will use these over-the-top messaging services i know some people essentially live on whatsapp and facebook messenger and so it absolutely makes sense for bots to be be there for them i think for i don't want to generalize too much but perhaps for older users having access through the virtual assistant be that you know uh, google now uh, cortana or siri kind of makes makes more sense but that could well change in the next few years and you know all of these are conversational interfaces and it's not just going to be on your phone. You know, there's things like the Amazon Echo and the Google Home and then, you know, audio recognition in the car as well. And we see Cortana existing on desktop PCs as well. All of those will be entry points to get at these these bots. And really what they are are kind of mini apps that are accessed through a conversation interface, which or for one, you know, it's kind of a command line. And that can either be... Um, you know, very ontological in that it's kind of a set of commands that you go through and it knows that. And the ones that are really impressive are the ones that use AI to kind of work out what you want ahead of time, either by, you know, answering a natural language query or indeed accessing you know, context that is provided in some way. Most of the current bots are kind of a bit like dining into an IVR system. You go through a set of options. Uh, frankly, that's a, a bit slow and boring. The ones that are going to be interesting are when they are called into a conversation already have something helpful to present you with. 
So, you know, if you're checking about going out to a restaurant, suddenly Cortana says, oh, you're talking about this restaurant, you know, here are the details, there's a reservation at this time, is that what you want? And you go one click and get there. That makes a lot of sense rather than, say, going into the open table app and finding that restaurant and making the booking. So, as I say, there's still, to me, it feels like a lot of a lot to go on in this space. And it's overhyped, unquestionably, at the moment. Um, but I actually see uh, kind of bots as a much wider kind of area around these conversational interfaces where we'll start to see these apps and these these services that already exist um you know and you can access through the app or web will just become available on more endpoints of which you know the messaging apps will be one the virtual yeah. assistants will be another the smart speakers in the home etc 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 yeah did you just use the word ontological i think i did yeah sorry about that <laughs> what does it mean <laughs> uh hierarchical i was uh probably trying to get it. i may have misused the word i'm now gonna have to go and google it to check because it just it just slipped out sorry steve well of course now you're gonna have to define hierarchical for people who don't know what that means and then we could go on forever <laughs> all right maybe we should go on to the next story before i embarrass myself any further I do have a theory about the Windows 10 software development team. I think they basically finished uh, fixing all the big bugs that they've been plagued with. And now onto the little features which many of us have been asking for for months. And they've been basically putting off because they've got bigger fish to fry. But now they're getting around to them. So, for example, we have Outlook Calendar's live tile. It now shows up to three events after two years now, I think, of living with a single event on our, our live tiles. We now have up to three events. which is a, Yes, which is it's a big deal really if you've got three you know, lunch plus two meetings or something now all three of them show up in your live tile which i think is a big deal i can't believe it's taken them so long to implement but well done to the microsoft team and along the same lines uh, windows 10 camera has gained panorama mode something we've been asking for for years so again it's something that seems like a presumably a little feature to microsoft which is really really prized by the enthusiasts in our community and i'm i'm kind of on a bit of a high rave today what with these two that these, these two <laughs> items have made my day well, the Outlook one in particular, I find really useful. I have all my work stuff going through an Exchange server, and sometimes there are multiple um, meetings going on at the same time because of clashes. I've got one after another. So being able to see it at a glance without having to open up the uh, Outlook app is really, really helpful for me. Uh, I, I have to say, I probably get more excited about the uh, panorama mode in the camera, which I haven't actually tried out yet. But having read your story about it, I noticed that it's kind of this swipe panorama in that you just have to hold up the phone and kind of follow the directions. Yeah. Because, you know, we did have the camera lens previously that kind of stitched them together and it would take a series of shots one by one. Uh, you know, this swipe panorama, which I, I'm sure was available in third-party applications, but was probably popularized by... And the iPhone has been uh, adopted by pretty much everyone else. And yeah. it's also been available in standalone digital cameras. So I'm not actually sure who did it first is by far and away the easiest way to do it. Cause you can capture in a panorama in what maybe five to 10 seconds. Um, so it's, it's absolutely great to see it arrive. I did notice in the comment thread to the same story, there were people talking about photo things, which is absolutely right. And that's a more sophisticated technology, but I would argue, uh, doesn't produce outputs that is quite so easy to share and generally takes uh, a little bit longer to capture. Um, but it's great to see this this panorama mode come in. Um, I guess it's perhaps not quite as exciting as the 3D capture or sorry, the 360 degree capture that's starting to come available on other phones, but big step forward. And actually there are some things that just work really well as panoramas and you know, kind of those landscape or sunsets and things like that work brilliantly well. And of course, you can also have a play about and have uh, people appear multiple times in the same photo as well. 
<laughs> You'd never do that, Rick, no, would no. you? Uh, that's just the. <laughs> it's just when I'm trying to take a picture and the cat insists on walking across and appears three times in the same photo. It can actually be quite irritating. Yeah, yeah. We talked about a firmware update rolling out the Lumi 950 range in last week's podcast, and I believe the podcast before that. It still hasn't yeah. arrived on either of my devices. They're clearly taking it region by region and just evaluating what, whether it fixes all the problems they think it fixes. And who knows? Maybe they're tweaking it as they go along. But uh, certainly, double tap to wake. I know you're looking forward to, and I'm looking forward yeah. to the camera improvements and the stability improvements in terms of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. That they in the very latest Fastring Insiders build for Redstone one four three nine. Three, they acknowledge there in the known issues that we're continuing to investigate Wi-Fi issues. And then they're talking about turning off Bluetooth can sometimes result in a freeze, crash, or reset. So there are clearly some connectivity issues they're working through. I still don't think they're going to make an August the 2nd rollout for mobile. I know they said they were aiming for that. I still think that's going to get delayed because there will be last-minute hitches. They think, well, we can't roll it out to Joe Average um, in this state. Um, but having said that, 14.393 has been pretty stable. Otherwise, for me, I've been really enjoying it on Lumen 950. It's might be my main device for the last week or so. And with these latest updates, uh, the application updates, I, I, there's been a huge amount. If you go into the store each morning, I'm seeing something like up to 10 or 12 uh, core application updates every day. That's just a phenomenal um, pace of progress. And uh, I think Microsoft are really on the home straight now. I still don't think they'll hit, they'll hit the, they're the self-imposed deadline, but I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the, uh, the state of the 950 range and the other Windows 10 mobile devices. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I find it hard to keep up with what's going on. And unlike Steve, I've actually turned on automatic updates, so I, I get them all. <laughs> um, I, I, so I'm not always aware when something new comes out. And, you know, the insiders, as you say, coming out so regularly, uh, now, but I mean, I think it's actually testament to obviously Microsoft to kind of sorted out that development, uh, kind of delivery and, uh, release to be a pretty smooth process. Cause often it's the same apps being updated multiple times in a very short period of time. So, um, I'm assuming that they've sort of moved to an agile development model in order to kind of yeah. facilitate that, or at least it's uh, far more obvious than it was, it was before because they've kind of connected it to the outside world through the, insiders program if you will or certainly the release management part of that um you know as you say it does feel like it's getting a bit more stable but we have said that before and then there's been another insider bill and suddenly things have gone backwards and there are still um, a number of bugs around but like you said it's nice to see things being fixed and it's not just to focus on the core os you know we've, we've talked about a couple of the app updates already um, there's updates for office for insiders coming along as well i haven't had a chance to look at them yet uh, but it's kind of exciting that, that that's still happening but like you say you know with what 12 days or 13 days effectively to go until um, this sort of anniversary update uh, go back to what we said last week it'll be available on one device or for a couple of phones but so certainly not in a, a widespread way um and that that's a good thing because um you know if, yeah. if you want to get access to it you can go onto the insider program and you'll be getting these updates one after another um and actually the, the pace of it is really quite impressive yeah, and those firmware updates, the reason they take so long to roll out firmware updates is because they're low-levels code, and if they go wrong, then they can brick a phone, and that's really serious. That's right. and if, they, if they were to release that worldwide and brick you know, 50 million phones, that might be a bit of a problem. So uh, that's why these things do take time. So yeah. as Rafe says, expect a slightly slower update of uh, rollout for Redstone as well. Uh, but what's interesting there, Steve, I mean, you mentioned the firmware update. Uh, Microsoft seem to really have successfully decoupled back from kind of the platform and the apps themselves. It wasn't that long ago where we'd kind of have to wait for 
uh, a firmware update in order to be able to get some of the platform or app updates because there was some vital bit in it. But I think what's happened is more and more of the platform or the stuff that was OS and was previously in firmware updates has kind of come into this sort of over-the-air update means, and of course it's all over the air, but, you know, as part of that kind of continuous release yeah. cycle and small and small amount of sort of device or hardware specific. And actually, you know, again, it's something that I, I don't think any of the manufacturers have got particular credit for, but actually it's a big change in the way that, you know, smartphone software gets updated. So just just worth flanging up and say, you know, isn't it great that we live in uh, <laughs> live in the future? Yeah, yeah. So the firmware basically on, on a modern smartphone, the, the low-level code to do with the, the connectivity and the hardware drivers and so forth, you can expect to be updated every two, three, four months maybe. Uh, and on a staggered rollout, the OS itself, as we've seen, certainly from Microsoft, is updates been coming around about once a month, once every two months for production devices. And then the application updates, so this is the third tier, really. You've got firmware, then the OS, then the, the applications themselves, and more and more of the functionality that used to be in, quote, the OS is now in the apps. They're being updated almost daily, and sometimes twice daily in the store. So we've really got a very flexible way of rolling out at each of the three levels of software. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed by how it's working. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I think that probably does have an impact on software quality, uh, but it, it's difficult to judge because, of course, we have this insiders program, so we get much earlier look at things. Um, so on the on the face, of it it has had an impact on quality uh, simply because yeah. we've been getting earlier access. But I think on the given the complexity of that and those three layers, I actually think they've done a pretty pretty good job. And um, you know, the relative lack of complaints overall. Uh, outside of people sort of getting onto insider program and then getting upset when it's not separate. The the kind of this anniversary update will be a big, big moment uh for that. If they kind of get things slightly wrong there, I think I might have to take back some of my praise and some of my comments, but uh it'd be very interesting to watch that over the next month or so. Every now and then, maybe once a week, once a fortnight, I think, wouldn't it be nice to live on a production device? And I go back (laughs) to a production firmware, and then I sit there for a week watching nothing at all happening and watching all the fun and action happen on somebody else's phone. like, no, the party's over there. I want to be where the party is. And, of course, I then go back to the fast ring, so it's very difficult for me. But uh, I like living on the bleeding edge, Rafe. Right, moving on. Um, This also made my day. This was the cherry on the icing on the cake, if you like. Um, I found Google Plus works very well with Windows 10 Mobile now. Who knew? Google Plus, Google is basically upgraded its mobile site it's very html5 heavy very dynamic it's, it's basically an application living on the web and it's very responsive i'm i'm sure you can try it in the coming week basically if you go to plus.google.com on a windows 10 mobile device with the uh, the latest version of edge i redstone um, and then if you it will offer you the chance to meet the new google plus basically upgrading you from the uh, the showing you the old google plus mobile website which was very basic but kind of worked but, but it was clunky into a new, fully all singing, all dancing, quite literally, um, HTML5 website. So you tap on Let's Go, and basically you're then using the same interface, the same UI, the same conventions as if you're using a native Google Plus app for Android or iOS, which I think is really impressive. It does, it's a bit of a processor hog, and my 950 was getting quite warm while running it. So obviously there's a lot of client-side processing going on to make this UI happen. But in terms of, you know, making Google Plus accessible to someone who's not on a Google platform, and let's face it, Google never liked Microsoft's platform, I think this is kind of a step forward for me. And it's, it's transformed really the way I can think, well, okay, maybe I can make a break from you know, Google devices, because I've got one of my favorite Google services now on Windows 10 Mobile. I do worry about you sometimes, Steve. I mean, <laughs> what, what made you want to use Google Plus? Well, okay, I guess. But yes, I mean, <laughs> it, in one sense, it's great because obviously um, 
uh, Google have updated some recognition code, or, or or actually, it's probably more to do with the way the browser itself is sort of presenting itself. The fact that you can kind of get a full experience is great, and it kind of goes back to what we've said a couple of times about sometimes doing stuff in the browser is is perfectly sufficient uh, for getting a, a usage level that's good enough. And it sounds for you, Steve, like uh, being able to use Google Plus in the browser with that kind of better support for, if you like, the full smartphone web version. It's going to be enough for you for being able to use Google Plus on, on a Windows uh, 10 mobile device. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you, you made a joke there at Google Plus. Google Plus is excellent. In fact, it's my favorite <laughs> social network for discussing things, for communities, for people helping each other. Twitter is basically short-term, real-time stuff and full of trolls, as you know, full of hate. Um, but I use Twitter because it's it's a way of getting stuff out to people who follow me. Facebook is just a no-go zone for anything other than friends and family. I just, I just, it's such a mess in terms of the UI. It's it's only a, a good for seeing what Uncle Uncle Joe and Auntie Maud are getting up to on their 80th birthday party, that sort of thing. In my opinion, Google Plus is where all the geeks and the tech fans hang out. Is where we actually discuss really interesting things and help each other. And it's because of the the hoi polloi, because the mass market have moved completely rejected and forgotten about Google Plus. Means that's where all the cool kids, all the cool tech kids, certainly hang out, and that's why I like it. Yeah. Well, I think if people accuse you of having uh, rose-tinted glasses when it comes to Windows 10 Mobile, I, I don't I dread to think what colour they'll accuse you of having for Google Plus. But actually, you're right because. I've noticed that uh, you get very strong communities on Google Plus. And uh, isn't it about time we give a big plug and shout out to the uh, the phone show uh, chat, which has uh, part of its community on, on Google Plus and has some very erudite discussions on what smartphone and various bits of technology. And there is also a forum if you want to follow that. Um, and Steve, just remind people what phone show chat is and where they can find it. Well, it's basically, it started out with my own video podcast, which I still run, uh, reviewing phones and doing features. But then that kind of uh, also had a parallel audio podcast once a week. And that's been going now for six and a half years. I can't believe it. But uh, week in, week out, Ted, myself, Ted Sam and myself and guests. And just basically reviewing, chatting about using phones, not about just reviewing the very latest and shiniest which is, oh, and, and talking about rumors, which is what a lot of other podcasts re- resolve down to. We basically talk about stuff we've got hands on, how we're finding it and solving problems we come across. And that's partly where the Google Plus community comes in. So, for example, in the phone chat Google Plus community, it's, it's the one place, I, if I've got a phone problem, a tech problem, I can go there and I'll post the question. And I know full well that within a couple of hours, 100, 200, maybe 500 people who are real hardcore phone geeks with um, immense knowledge will have seen those questions and will be chipping in with help, helpful contributions. It's just a, a, a very, very high signal to noise ratio. And, that, and that's why I like it. And yes, it's not a Microsoft service, but at least I can now use it on a Microsoft device. There we go. Um, and just thinking <laughs> about podcasts, I know you've uh, recently done another podcast. So uh, as we're in the, uh, the th- thing of doing some plugs, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that as well? I didn't know if you'd spotted that. This is totally off topic. Chewing gum for the ears. It's basically a music podcast. Ted and I were ch- chatting off off air about the sort of music we liked. And we started getting um, geek friends in who were just not talking tech, but talking about the music they like and the music of their youth and how they listen to music and how they enjoy it and that sort of stuff. So if, if music's your thing, then chewing gum for the ears. And we'll put a link to that somewhere in the show notes as well. We yes, must move yeah. on, Ray. Now, we, we should. Back on topic. Right. Um, this is linking over to a, a rival of ours in, in a way, really. Windows Central, the, the big American side, of course. They've managed to get hands on the Acer Liquid Jade Primo. Um, now, we've asked for one via PR in this country, but Acer don't seem terribly interested. So I'm I, I'm happy in this case to link across to the video and the, the thoughts of Daniel and the team at Windows Central. And in particular, some of the, the, the negatives. I mean, 
when this was launched, Ray, I, I know you've had hands on at the various shows. This was kind of up with the Joneses. It was uh, certainly c- competitive with the Lumia 950, or it seemed to be at the time. Uh, it was con- fully Continuum enabled, and this was, you know, a, an early glimpse at what Continuum could do. But it's now been something like nine months since it was launched, and we've now got the very first devices coming onto the market for sale. It's not cheap. There's no NFC, which I think is unforgivable in 2016 for a flagship. Um, the, Daniel said the buttons were a bit weird. The brightness is basically broken in terms of software, the auto brightness. Um, the camera is nothing special. The screen accuracy was off. The smart cover is like, like you've got the old HTC devices. It basically works and turns the screen on when you open the cover. But then with the cover on, you can't put the phone in the continuum dock. We have to take the cover off and it's all a bit of a mess. So there's lots of negatives and a very meh sort of feel to this, uh, Acer Liquid Jade Primo. I have to say, Rafe, I was enthusiastic last September. Right now, I'm just not feeling it at all. Yeah, I, you know, I think when you see a write-up like that, you can't help but think think, think that. I mean, as you say, I saw this device several times, including the this kind of box version, which has a monitoring keyboard and a mouse in it and the dock and everything else. Uh, and Barcelona, I was quite taken by the idea of it. But, you know, when I talked to them about it, they said, oh, you know, it's early early hardware, so you can't really judge too much about it. And yes, it was a bit plasticky, but, you know, like, frankly, a lot of the uh, new phones you see uh, these days. But it's really disappointing they appeared not to move that on at all. And I have to admit, I didn't see at the time the fact it didn't have NFC in it, which seems a pretty inexcusable omission. I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure how much uh, most people use NFC on the Windows devices, but given we're talking about a very, very small addition to the bill of materials, it seems crazy not to include it for the few times that, you know, it, it, it does become a factor. And, you know, it, I mean, to be honest, actually trying to leave it out must have been quite difficult because most of these uh you know system on a chips and the stuff that has bluetooth you know that it just comes as a package deal these these days when you buy the components and all the bits and pieces um so it seems like a, a rather strange um omission um and yeah it's disappointing to hear that the the hardware doesn't appear to have moved on and as you rightly said in a couple of podcasts ago you know the specification was interesting back when it launched but now it's sort of a bit of a and also ran um and you know if you're looking to spend that amount of money um you know, the hp elite x3 is coming out and, yeah okay even more expensive but um from what we've seen of it very much more impressive device solid uh, design uh, much better quality in terms of the, the materials and things like that and actually you know almost uh, i think you know having a monitor combo with the, the keyboard mouse doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me because I think a lot of people will already have that or will have their own preferences about what they want to use there. And so, you know, the dock plus phone makes more sense to me. Uh, and then if you're going to do the kind of HP approach, the laptop thing does does seem quite sensible because that's an on-the-move solution. Yeah. So, um, you know, Acer, it, it, it's impressive because it's kind of this glossy thing. And, you know, when you actually see it in pictures the, 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 and, and, and indeed see it in person, there's something quite nice about seeing kind of the whole box and everything that you can buy in one and you know they were playing up the idea that students might choose to buy this rather than buying a, a, a computer but <laughs> I, you <laughs> I know, <don't> think so. <laughs> it, it's it's one of the it is undoubtedly the vision of continuum and this idea of kind of you know the everywhere and the everything device that microsoft espouse but it just feels like it, it's you know almost someone came up with the concept and then didn't quite think about how that would work in the real world and then they didn't quite pay attention to getting the device itself right, which, uh, uh, of course, you know, is kind of an important thing. Um, 
and obviously you know when i saw it the software was pretty flaky so it makes me wonder if the hardware hasn't improved much is the uh, you know we've talked about this in the past with uh, other uh, windows phone and subsequently windows 10 mobile devices have they kind of spent the time getting that tuning of the software right and partly that's integration and, and it ju- it just worries me when you see that kind of approach and of course you know i suppose if you were going to pick out one thing as the exemplar of this it's you know thinking about most people are going to put the smart cover on because it comes with, with the box and then the fact that it doesn't work with the dock it just seems crazy that you wouldn't have thought that through a little bit more um yeah so like like you probably um probably more disappointed um and uh, i mean but yeah. go and read the um window central article because it kind of gives you the, the full bow down we are still trying to get our, our hands on on one of these um, and obviously judge it judge it for ourselves i mean as i say i mean some of the criticism feels a bit harsh to me because as i say nfc is uh, it seems stupid but actually will it have that much effect probably not um and then the the things that concern me more are actually the the fear of the device, you know, the comments about some of the buttons and things like that. Uh, but yeah, you know, kind of a disappointment after you know it was kind of I think it was the first Windows 10 mobile device that either was yeah. announced or certainly leaked. Uh, the fact that it's coming out basically nine months after we first started hearing about it, yeah, that that's not great, really, is it? Yeah, I don't think their heart is in it, really. Uh, and we just hear about the Liquid Extender, their version of HP's laptop, and uh, and that's just nowhere to be seen yet either. So you get the feeling that uh, it's not really that wise to put all your eggs in one basket and go down the Acer Jade Primo route. <laughs> the Elite X3, which we at least had hands-on and could verify that it all worked, I think was far, far more impressive device and far, and far higher spec. And we've, we've been over this in a previous podcast, Rafe. But I would take, not only would I take the Elite X3 over the Jade Primo, I take the 950 and the 950 XL over the J Primo, and they're at half the price. The 950 yeah, you can pick up now for well under 300 pounds, brand new SIM free. Um, so I, I'd far rather have a 950 in my hands. Yeah, and you know you do that, and you can go and get a screen that works well with it, and you know a keyboard of your choice, and put together the package that way. Um, you know, having everything in one box is nice, but most consumers are going to be savvy enough to know that they can do that themselves. Yeah, and just to be clear, although the, the, I think Acer were planning initially uh, a big pack with monitor, keyboard, oh, yes. dock, dock, and phone. The, the one that uh, Windows Central were reviewing was the version with just the keyboard, the mouse, the dock, and the phone. I'm yeah. sure there's a bigger version for even more money. You, I guess you wouldn't expect a, a full 1080p monitor at that price. But um, No, no, that's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's worth saying, I mean, the SKU I saw in... Um, in Barcelona, uh, I think they did have two versions there, one of which did include the kind of the monitor. Yeah. Obviously, that is something that Acer sells as well. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, <laughs> moving on, we did promise a discussion uh, feature. Now, if you bring up the article, Rafe, this is, I know that I wrote this two or three weeks ago, but it's very relevant. I called it the classic Lumia 1020 and Windows 10, the pros and cons edition. My, my beloved 1020, as I mentioned, is flip-flopped now three times between the two OSs. It's currently on Windows 10 mobile, basically because of universal Windows platform apps, which I've I've mentioned in the past. But I did break down in this article the pros and cons. And it's just not just 1020. This is the main point I want to emphasise. This also applies to all those people, and there are a great number who bought the 920 and the 95, which I know you love, Rafe, and, and you you own for many a, many a month, many a year, if not still use it, 925. So there's basically three best-selling um, Windows Phone 8.1 devices, all of which you could upgrade for another few weeks to Windows 10 Mobile, get UWP apps, and you would get, now I'll run down the list without, uh, if the cider will, in my tummy will let me, uh, the ability to use Windows 10 camera for videos with up to five times zoom on the 1020 and digital stabilization of video, which is, which is very important, very nice. Um, photos, 
huge at having photos, Windstone photos, bringing in the photos from all your devices into one central cloud-centric hole, and you can access any photo on any device. Very, very useful. Um, Windows 10 Maps um, is far, far better, I would say, in terms of the, the, than the old Here Maps and Here Drive, not only because it's fully updated now, and whereas the Here Maps have fallen into disuse, but also because it's got better traffic management, and you've got all the extras in terms of speed cameras and um, traffic cameras and the, the 3D cities, all of that stuff. Then there's basically, if you're future-proofed, if you're on Windows 10 Maps, there's the full Office apps rather than the cut-down versions under 8.1. There's full Bluetooth keyboard support. Uh, the Edge browser is much, much more compatible, as we mentioned earlier, with the Google Plus HTML5 site. Um, the cursor nudge control on the keyboard is really useful. Better backups, more apps, future-proof apps. The UI works in landscape mode in most apps rather than just portrait. Outlook, mail, Outlook, calendar, more fully featured. More toggles in the UI, better settings hierarchy. More tiles on the start screen, better UI, better tech, full control over text sizes and accessibility. That's a huge list of pros, Rafe, and, and available right now and possibly for only a couple more weeks to the 920, 925, and 1020 owners. The cons, it, it, your phone will be slightly slower, uh, up to 25%, maybe 30%, 33% slower overall, but I think that's livable with. You do lose stereo audio capture. Um, so if you're used to taking stereo videos of your band down the local pub or at a concert venue, then that that is a concern. Um, and there, there's no way around that. Microsoft have said in back channels they're not going to update um, the the drivers for these this older hardware for the stereo audio capture, so you will lose that. Glance screen, not quite as capable under Windows 10 Mobile, but you still get most of it. It's just you just can't get my favorite, which is the old Windows Phone weather as your peak display where you just wave your hand over the screen and it would magically show you the weather. That always used to impress people. Uh, battery life will be less. I suspect to expect the battery life to go down by 20, 30% when you're using Windows 10 Mobile. It is a hungrier, more ambitious, more advanced OS. Um, so what my main question to you, Rafe, is that's a very long list of pros, a shorter list of cons, but some of them might be showstoppers. And I've slightly come down on the, on the side of Windows 10 Mobile, and I've upgraded my 1020 and my 920 again. But where where do you stand on all this? Where, how would you evaluate those two lists? I, I mean, I think it's tricky because, I mean, basically, I think you've got the list absolutely right. I mean, the one thing I might add is for those that care about these sort of things, is they're kind of not officially supported going forward. So they've kind of left these updates available and it feels like they'll be in a little bit of no man's land. So that that's kind of a factor maybe for some people. Um, for me, it's kind of come you know, from an entirely personal point of view. I've actually left my 1020 on uh, Windows Phone 8.1, mainly because it is very much a secondary arc. Well, to be quite honest, it's a, a one-off specialist device for me that I'm not using day-to-day. So I'm not quite as enamoured with it as I think perhaps Steve is, who I know you still use it regularly as one of your kind of main devices. Yeah. It, for me, it might come out on a special occasion if I want to you know, do some camera capture that's I think the 1020 will be particularly well suited for. That's probably going to happen less and less um, simply because actually the leading smartphones aren't that far off where the, the 1020 was. But, you know, like anyone else, have a bit of nostalgia. And it's still one of my favourite devices of all time. You know, there's something a bit mind-blowing about the 41 megapixels. And the fact it, it, it stayed current in terms of camera phone ability uh, for so long. But, you know, I do go back and use it and I find it incredibly slow and therefore quite irritating um and so for me personally it, it was an easy decision to leave it on windows phone 8 because that kind of the things i cared about for it in terms of the speed of the ui and then the things like the stereo auto capture 
and bits and pieces. It just made more sense to leave it where it was and also kind of get the final tuned version of all the camera. And whether there is a difference there or not, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but it kind of uh, feels like the safe thing to do. I think if you're, it's one of your only devices, um, or, you know, just perhaps a backup device, then it becomes a, a little bit harder to, to make that decision, uh, simply because, you know, you go, actually, I want my backup device running on, you know, all those advantages you talk about in Windows 10 mobile that are there. You know, honestly, as, as I kind of allude to, if you go back to a, a Windows Phone 8 device, which I'm still doing, um, to be fair, um, you do notice the differences, uh, and therefore, kind of that impetus to upgrade, I think, is perhaps perhaps greater. Is that a fair way of putting it? it, it so I, I guess what I'm saying is it depends on how many devices you have and what you see them being used for. Yeah, yeah. but if you've got it, say, let's leave the 1020 to one side because that is people may, for example, need to take stereo audio capture in at a concert. But leave the 1020 aside. Say you've got a, a bog standard Lumi 920. It was a flagship back in 2012. Maybe you're hanging on to it because you're short of pennies. Would you then leave that 920, which has got a decent camera, not world-beating, but it's decent. It's got a decent speaker, nice-ish screen, probably, probably uh, still pretty good because it's um, LCD, not AMOLED. So the 920, would you upgrade that 920 if it was your main phone um, to the new OS? Would you take that gamble into the, into the Windows 10 mesh mobile threshold world? I think if, I, <laughs> if, if I've still got a 920, I'm probably not concerned about having the latest and the greatest and I, and I appreciate I may be insulting some people here who, for whatever reason, haven't been able to get their hands on a more recent device. Uh, but if, if I care that much about having Windows 10 Mobile, I'd probably move to another device. And that may not be a Windows device. It may have been upgrading to um, an iPhone or an Android device. And so I suspect, you know, if I'm still using a 920, I'm probably very happy with what I've got. And therefore, I would be inclined to stay on windows phone 8 but if i if i live in some alternate reality where i haven't been able to get a phone upgraded since the 920 yeah i think i probably would want to have it on windows 10 mobile because there are are so many advantages uh to doing so but i'm in the fortunate position where i don't really have to think about that and i have to admit um i haven't had my uh lumia 920 out for ages so of course it's still on an older version of the software i'm not sure it's even very much doubt it's on the most recent versions of uh windows phone 8.1 for that matter um, so you know, it's probably something I should go go and update some of my older devices just so they are current as possible. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's actually a bit more of a, an academic question, um, you know, because I tend not to re- revisit older devices, uh, and you know, I am using Android and iPhone devices um, uh, for work reasons, um, and also, frankly, because I'm a phone geek and I like having access to all the devices, and I think uh, you know. I would still be wanting to use multiple platforms just because I like to, you know, have a inside look onto all of them, you know. And so, you know, going back to old ones, and it would be just the same as asking me to use, you know, Android 4.1 or iOS 7. I would immediately get very frustrated um, and sort of want to be on something a bit more more current. Um, it's, I guess it's harder because Windows Phone 8.1, as we commented earlier on the podcast, isn't that out of date, and so in some ways and i'm very very familiar with it so i can use a phone with that very quickly and get get the majority of stuff done but then of course once you start using a windows 10 mobile device and i think arguably also if you have switched over to an android or an ios device and then go back to using windows phone 8.1 things like the browser in particular are frustrating because you'll go and visit a site that you expect to work and then remember that it doesn't because it's on the old version of ie um Things like uh, the office apps, if you're ever doing kind of a bit of editing on the go, that that gets annoying. Um, and even things like, uh, 
Now, actually, it's interesting because the Outlook Mail and Calendar, uh, I think, are perfectly good on the older devices. And so I, I don't mind those because actually kind of gets me the information I need and I can reply to them very quickly. But um, as you kind of identify, they are, are better synced across devices and there seems to sort of be more understanding of that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think for me, actually, the big one is the browser. Um, and UWPs, yes, but there probably aren't that many that I consider absolutely vital when there aren't sort of replacements or alternatives. I think over time, my concern would be some of those will stop working. And so it's kind of better to be in the UWP world and therefore, you know, and I'll, I'll probably get more familiar with those and wanting to use those more and more. Um, so yes, if I, if I, if I picked out Edge Browse and UWP as the reason to upgrade, people can then work out from that whether it's going to be the right decision for them. But I think it's a pretty uh, subjective one and certainly a very personal one. It goes back to what I said earlier about you know, which devices you have access to and what you're using them for. Yeah, well, that's a very good answer. The, the right answer, <laughs> I want to finish off because the answer is to do it now, to upgrade and do yes. it now and do it next week because this is the reason. Um, if you upgrade to Windows 10 Mobile now through the Insider Program, pretend, never mind Microsoft's recommendations, go ahead, upgrade. you still got... The facilities to do that for one more week. After a week or two's time, once this um, anniversary update's rolled out, the release preview program will move on and your devices will not be provisioned. Now, let's, but the thing is, you can go back. If let, the, the servers will of Microsoft's end will contain the 8.1 images. So let's say you decide, okay, well, I'll upgrade, I'll try it, I'll try it for a month. If you don't like it, you can roll back because Microsoft allows that. If you decide to wait for a month, think, well, maybe I'll try it now. It's too late because those the chance to upgrade will have gone. So basically, you've got a, a f absolute automatic guaranteed fallback. If you don't like it, you can roll back and uh, resync all your data and install your apps and be very happy on 8.1 again. But you, if you want to try it on those older devices, 728, 20, 929, 25, 1020, you have to do it now. And as a bonus, if you do upgrade, not only to get the advantages that uh, Rafe just said, you also also get the possible the, the tease that skype may not be ending for you because let's let's assume this skype uwp app does indeed work on st stuff from gets backported or back tweaks that it works on threshold as well as redstone uh, in that case yeah, you may get, end up getting a skype client that works for a few more years and that's surely worth doing if you want to keep that old hardware going rafe yeah i mean that's a good example where you know, if that's an important thing for you, you absolutely should um, update because that's really your only route to six. Should probably say that Steve is not guaranteeing that uh, Skype will suddenly become available for these uh, <laughs> old devices, but it's obviously the most likely avenue. Yeah, it's a tease. Uh, it, it's, there's a possibility, and if that possibility comes off, then you've got a way of keeping Skype going on your beloved 920, 925, 1020, or whatever. Whereas if you stay on 8.1, you know full well that uh, within a few months, things will start to break, and that may be a, a problem for you. This has been an extra-length podcast because uh, we I've got... Uh, birthday celebrations in my family over the next few days and week or so so we're going to aim to skip a week in terms of podcasting but of course if something major happens we'll pop back and find a way of recording Rafe but this has been the best part of an hour so I hope you enjoyed it I'll sign off and I'll let Rafe do the final goodbye yeah it's a goodbye from me and as always uh, thank you very much for listening and tune in next time <laughs>